All right. Thank you all for coming. We're going to get started. We are in Revelation chapter 15, beginning in verse 3. We're just going to finish out chapter 15 tonight. Revelation 15, 3, where we read, And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God, the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. After this I looked, and the sanctuary of the tent of witness in heaven was opened. And out of the sanctuary came the seven angels with the seven plagues, clothed in pure, bright linen, with golden sashes around their chests. And one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. And the sanctuary was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And no one could enter the sanctuary until the seven plagues of the seven angels were finished. The word of God, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this night. We thank you for the song, Lord, that speaks of your glory your salvation, God. We worship you tonight, Lord, as we dive into your word to hear you speak. So I pray you would move by your spirit, God, and work in our hearts, Lord, open up our ears and eyes of faith to see you, to hear you, to know you, God, that we may glorify you. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. All right, so last week, we began the fifth vision cycle by looking at the first two verses of this chapter. This is what we saw. Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and amazing, seven angels with seven plagues, which are the last. For with them the wrath of God is finished. And I saw what appeared to be a sea of glass mingled with fire, and also those who had conquered the beast and its image and the number of its name, standing beside the sea of glass with harps of God in their hand. And we saw that there were angels ready to perform the final acts of judgment on the world with these seven plagues. And we saw that the wording that John uses here leaves no room uh, to wonder, this is the end being spoken of here. And then we saw the raptured and resurrected saints caught up in the air. These are those who had conquered the beast, who had overcome the world by staying faithful to Christ and persevering in their mission as the church. And we saw that they had those harps, which in the book of Revelation, as we saw, are always associated with the saints of all time, whether symbolized by the 24 elders, the 144,000, or here, the conquerors. And today we pick up from there. Because these saints have not only harps, but they're singing a song of praise. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. Now, as we'll see here, the elect don't sing two separate songs. There isn't a song of Moses and then a separate song of the Lamb. It's all one song. And the song of Moses part of this refers to a song sang about God back in the book of the law. But here's the thing. There are two songs of Moses back in the book of the law. Two different songs of Moses. But they're both about what we're seeing here in Revelation chapter 15. Even though those two songs are about two different things, because the one song of Moses is about the salvation of Israel, God's physical people through the judgment of the nation of Egypt, theirs and God's physical enemy. And the other is about the salvation of the spiritual people of God, though the judgment through the judgment of the physical people of God who will be rejected because of sin. So the first song of Moses we have from Exodus 15. Now, God had just saved Israel through the Red Sea and destroyed the army of Egypt with the Red Sea. The salvation and the judgment were through the same means. And so the people sang this in Exodus 15. I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. 
This is my God, and I will praise him. My father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his host he cast into the sea, and his chosen officers were sunk in the Red Sea. The floods covered them. They went down into the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you overthrow your adversaries. You send out your fury. It consumes them like stubble. At the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The flood stood up in a heap. The deeps congealed in the heart of a sea. The enemy said, I will pursue. I will overtake. I will divide the spoil. My desire shall have its fill of them. I will draw my sword. My hand shall destroy them. You blew with your wind. The sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand. The earth swallowed them. You have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. The peoples have heard. They tremble. Pangs have seized the inhabitants of Philistia. Now are the chiefs of Edom dismayed. Trembling seizes the leaders of Moab. All the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. Terror and dread fall upon them because of the greatness of your arm. They are still as a stone till your people, O Lord, pass by, to the people pass by whom you have purchased. You will bring them in and plant them on your own mountain, the place, O Lord, which you have made for your abode, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. The Lord will reign forever and ever. And now here's what I want to do. I want to read this again, but I want to think in terms of the rapture and resurrection of God's people, which we just saw, and the final judgment of the wicked we're about to see. Because I want us to see these common themes that go back, way back to the Exodus that are throughout the whole Bible. So let's look at this again. I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed glorious, gl gloriously. And we see this here in Revelation. His triumph is the triumph of the conquerors of his people. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. And today we're looking at the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb. He has become my salvation, which is the final salvation of the elect. This is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and the host he cast into the sea. If remember back in Revelation 11, we saw the world was referred to as Egypt, symbolically. And his chosen officers were sunk in the Red Sea. The floods covered them. They went down into the depths like a stone, a reference to hell. Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power. We've seen throughout the church is preserved in Christ's right hand, we've seen. The scroll was in the right hand of Christ and, and of God on his throne. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. If you remember, we saw Christ raise his right hand and swear to heaven that judgment was coming. In the greatness of your majesty, you overthrow your adversaries, which we've seen a few times already, and we'll see again here happens at the second coming. You send out your fury. We saw God's wrath at the harvest of the wicked in the last chapter. We'll see a few chapters from now. It's called the fury of the winepress of God. It consumes them like stubble, Moses sang. And we've seen fire consume the wicked in a few visions already. At the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The flood stood up in a heap. The deeps congealed in the heart of a sea. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My desire shall have its fill of them. I will draw my, my sword, my hand shall destroy him. And this has been Satan and the world's goal since Christ's ascension, as we saw. The destruction of Christ's people in the church is his goal, and this will intensify right near the end. You blew with your wind, the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Again, a reference to hell. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? 
You stretched out your right hand, the earth swallowed them. You have led in your steadfast love the people who you have redeemed, which he does in this present age. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. And we know that his holy abode is eventually the new heavens of a new earth, but right now his holy abode is the church. The peoples they have heard, they tremble. Pangs have seized the inhabitants of Philistia. Now are the chiefs of Edom dismayed. Trembling seizes the leaders of Moab. All the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. These are representations of the worlds, of the enemies of God. Terror and dread fall upon them because of the greatness of your arm. They are still as stone, so your people, O Lord, pass by, so the people pass by whom you have purchased. You will bring them in and plant them on your own mountain. Remember, the mountain of God is the presence of God. So the place, O Lord, which you have made for your abode, which will be the new heaven and the new earth. The sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established, the Lord will reign forever and ever, which echoes what we saw at the blast of the seventh trumpet. So we see the Exodus, it points forward to the final salvation of God's people because John uses the same themes to describe his vision. But that's just the first song of Moses. The second song of Moses is in Deuteronomy 32. And it's longer, so we're only going to read it once. But we need to see this speaks in context of how Israel's going to fail to remain faithful to God and will forsake and be forsaken by him and be judged. And just think about that for a second. I mean, this Deuteronomy 32, Moses sings this song to the faithful second generation who are now about to go into the land. Moses tells them here, before they even get into the land, before they even set foot in the promised land, that they're going to fail. But I want us to also think of this in terms of God's overarching plan of redemption for a spiritual people and see the significance as it relates to the final judgment of the wicked. So Deuteronomy 32. We read, Give ear, O heavens, and I will speak, and let the earth hear the words of my mouth. May my teaching drop as the rain, my speech distill as the dew, like gentle rain upon the tender grass and like showers upon the earth. For I will proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God, the rock, his work is perfect, and we're told in the New Testament that rock is Christ. For all his ways are justice, a God of faithfulness and without iniquity, which points us to Christ's perfection. Just and upright is he. They, speaking of physical Israel, have dealt corruptly with him. God is a pointer forward to what happens at Christ's first coming, too. They are no longer his children because they are lemish. This is the rejection of the physical people. They are a, crook, a crooked and twisted generation, which is exactly how Jesus refers to the Jews of his day. Do you thus repay the Lord, you foolish and senseless people? It's not he your father who created you, who made you and established you? Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask your father and he will show you, your elders and they will tell you. When the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance, when he divided mankind, he fixed the borders of the people according to the number of the sons of God. As we've seen, this is the Babel event where God turns the nations over to false gods. But the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is allotted heritage. He found them in a desert land and in the howling waste of the wilderness. He encircled them. He cared for them. He kept them as the apple of his eye. Like an eagle that stirs up its nest, that flutters over its young, spreading out its wings, catching them, bearing them on its pinions. The Lord alone guided him. No foreign god was with him. He made him ride on the high places of the land, and he ate the produce of the fields, and he suckled him with honey out of the rock and oil out of the flinty rock, curds from the herd and milk from the flock, with fat of lambs, rams of Bashan and goats, with the very finest of wheat, and you drank foaming wine made from the blood of grapes. But Jeshurun, which is a name God uses for Israel, 
uh, usually in the prophets, grew fat and kicked. You grew fat, stout, and sleek. Then he forsook God who made him, which is what Israel and Judah are both said to do in the Old Testament, and scoffed at the rock of his salvation, which is what Israel does to Jesus in the New Testament and what Jews still do to this day. They stirred in the jealousy with strange gods, with abominations they provoked in the anger. They sacrificed to demons that were no gods, to gods they had never known, to new gods that had come recently, whom your fathers had never dreaded. You were unmindful of the rock that bore you, and you forgot the God who gave you birth. The, the Lord saw it and spurned them because of the provocation of his sons and his daughters, and he said, I will hide my face from them. This is God forsaking them because they, fors they forsook him. I will see what their end will be, for they are per a perverse generation, children in whom is no faithfulness. They have made me jealous with what is no God. They have provoked me to anger with their idols. So I will make them jealous with those who are no people or provoke them to anger with a foolish nation. For a fire is kindled by my anger and it burns to the depths of Sheol, devours the earth in its increase and sets on fire the foundations of the mountains. And I will heap disasters upon them. I will spend my arrows on them. They shall be wasted with hunger and devoured by plague and poisonous pestilence. I will send the teeth of beasts against them with the venom of things that crawl in the dust. Outdoors the sword shall bereave, and indoors terror for young men and women alike. The nursing child with a man of gray hairs, I would have said, I will cut them to pieces, I will wipe them from human memory, had I not feared provocation by the enemy, lest their adversaries should misunderstand, lest they should say, our hand is triumphant, it was not the Lord that did this. See, God says it should be obvious to the world that he has forsaken them, that he has brought this about. For they are a nation void of counsel, and there is no understanding in them. If they were wise, they would understand this. They would discern their latter end. How could one have chased a thousand and two put, have put ten thousand to flight unless their rock had sold them and the Lord had given them up? For their rock is not as our rock. Our enemies are by themselves. For their vine comes from the vine of Sodom and from the fields of Gomorrah. Their grapes are grapes of poison. Their clusters are bitter. Their wine is the poison of serpents and the cruel venom of asps. We see here again that grape and wine picture of judgment. Is not this laid up in store with me, sealed up in my treasuries? Vengeance is mine and recompense for the time when their foot shall slip, for the day of their calamity is at hand and their doom comes swiftly. For the Lord will vindicate his people. Clearly the people here is not the same physical Israel that he's talking about previously in this song. And have compassion on his servants when he sees that their power is gone and there is none remaining bond or free. Then he will say, where are their gods? These are the gods that Yahweh turned the nations over to, false gods. The rock in which they took refuge, who ate the fat of their sacrifices and drank the wine of their drink offering. Let them rise up and help you. Let them be your protection. See now that I, even I am he, and there is no God beside me. I kill and I make alive, I wound and I heal, and there is none that can deliver out of my hand. We're getting close, I promise. And my control stopped again. Here we go. For I lift up my hand to heaven and swear. Once again, we saw Christ raise his hand to heaven and swear that judgment was coming on the world. As I live forever, if I sharpen my flashing sword and my hand takes hold on judgment, I will take vengeance on my adversaries and will repay those who hate me. I will make my arrows drunk with blood and my sword shall devour flesh with the blood of the slain and the captives from the long-haired heads of the enemy. Rejoice with him, O heavens. Bow down to him, O gods, for he avenges the blood of his children and takes vengeance on his adversaries. He repays those who hate him and cleanses his people's land. That's one song. I mean, that's like longer than Stairway to Heaven. That's a pretty long song. But these are the songs of Moses that are in view here. And we see these themes that John seizes upon and that are common throughout the whole Bible. 
So we read, and they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. We see what the song of Moses is, but what is the song of the Lamb? Well, we've seen now the correlation between the resurrected and raptured saints here with the 24 elders of earlier in the book and the 144,000 because that is when we see the harps being played. But in each case, we see there's a song being sung by these same three representations of the saints of all time. In the second vision cycle where John is taken up to heaven, he sees the throne room. We saw the 24 elders with their harps, right? And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. There's more because these 24 elders with the harps, they sing what John calls a new song. And they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. And if you remember, then we saw the angels joined in the song. John says, then I looked and I heard around the throne of the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And then all the creation joins in. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And we see the 24 elders fall before the lamb and sing the song, and they sing the song to the lamb and about the lamb. This is the song of the lamb. But notice that John calls it a new song. There's one other place in the book of Revelation where we read about a new song in Revelation 14. Then I looked, and behold, on Mount Zion stood the lamb, and with him 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads, and I heard a voice from heaven like the roar of many waters and like the sound of loud thunder. The voice I heard was like the sound of harpists playing on their harps, and they were singing a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures and before the elders. No one could learn that song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. It is these who have not defiled themselves with women, for they are virgins. It is these who follow the Lamb wherever he goes. These have been redeemed from mankind as first fruits for God and the Lamb, and in their mouth, no lie was found, for they are blameless. And this is the song of the Lamb, because notice it's only sung. It only can be sung by those who have the Lamb right in their midst, who were said to follow the Lamb, and who have been redeemed as first fruits for God and the Lamb. So we see a further correlation between the 24 elders and the 144,000. They both sing the new song unto the Lamb. That's the song John is talking about here. And here is the song we'll sing. Great and amazing are your deeds. O Lord God, the Almighty, just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. Now, note the similarities to the songs of Moses here. We see that the deeds of God are great and amazing, that his ways are just and true. Just like Moses sang in Deuteronomy 32, I will proclaim in the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God. The rock, which is Christ, his work is perfect, for all his ways are justice, a God of faithfulness, and without iniquity, just and upright is he. So we see here, like in the Song of the Lamb, God is great, his work is perfect, and all his ways are justice. However, in Exodus 15, where God's people are saved, it's his physical people, Israel. Egypt has been punished, and the other nations are going to fare no better, as we saw, because God is with his people. And we see here that God has led the people he has redeemed, he has guided them to his holy abode, which the promised land foreshadows 
the new heaven and the new earth. He's brought them into his presence. And in Exodus 15, we see what it means for the nations. Where Moses says, you have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. The peoples have heard. They tremble. Pangs have seized the inhabitants of Philistia. Now were the chiefs of Edom dismayed. Trembling seizes the leaders of Moab. All the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. Here, the people God has redeemed was physical Israel. And we saw in Deuteronomy 32 because God had dispersed the nations and called only Israel as his own. But in Revelation 15, we see when the song is sung, God has become the king of the nations. Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God, the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, the king of the nations. And that is our word ethnos we've looked at a few times, usually translated Gentiles. At the Exodus, God saved the physical people and judged the physical people. And the Exodus was a pointer forward to the salvation of God's spiritual people from the bondage, not of a foreign nation, but from sin and death, which were foreign to God's good creation. But as we know, our salvation is not complete. It will not be complete until Christ returns. So ultimately, the Exodus points forward to the new Exodus, the final salvation of God's spiritual people and the final judgment of the wicked. And like God used the sea to save his people and to judge Egypt, so he'll use one means to finally save us and judge the wicked. And it's the same means that began our salvation, and that, of course, is Jesus Christ. And this is why, we kind of touched on this last week, this is why part of what we'll see later in Revelation is, John says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. The sea, remember, was a means of judgment on earth. The the waters judged people in the days of Noah. God did it again at the Exodus. And if you remember, we we looked at this a few weeks ago, God's promise to Noah that he would never again destroy the world with the flood points forward to two things. The final judgment, represented by the punishment of Egypt in the Red Sea, is all point forward to the same thing. And the day when judgment will be complete and there'll be no more need of judgment. And as we saw, the sign of the covenant was the rainbow in the cloud. And we saw the rainbow is often used in visions in the Old Testament, as is one riding on clouds. And that's always Christ. And it's often talking about his judgment, which is also symbolized by the sea and the judgments of God throughout history. And all this points forward to the final judgment. He's coming again to save the elect, to judge the wicked, but he's coming as king. He is king over all the earth, all the nations. And we are going to reign with him. As we saw in Revelation 5, and they sang a new song. This is the the elect saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, signing to the Lamb. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priest to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. But there's more because the song being sung here in Revelation 15 is being sung by the resurrected and raptured saints of all time. And in the Song of Moses from Exodus 15, not only do we read of the judgment of the nations in verses 14 and 15, but then we read this. Terror and dread fall upon them. Remember, he just got done talking about the nations. Because of the greatness of your arm, they are still as stone. So your people, O Lord, pass by. To the people, pass by whom you have purchased. This is talking about the rapture and the resurrection. You will bring them in and plant them on your own mountain. The place, O Lord, which you have made for your abode, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established, the Lord will reign forever and ever. And the mountain, the place of God's dwelling, his sanctuary, the place where he reigns, it is right now the church, but at the second coming will be the new heaven and the new earth. And that's what we'll read later in Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. 
he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. See, this is our final destination. And this is begun when we first place our faith in Christ and become part of his church. And this will be completed when Christ comes again. It will be completed at the resurrection and the rapture when we are caught up to meet Christ in the clouds and then return with him to earth for judgment and to reign. And as we saw already, this will be seen by everyone. We saw we will be vindicated before our enemies when we are resurrected, just like Christ was vindicated at his resurrection. And we saw this pictured in Revelation 11 with the two witnesses, where we saw, but after the three and a half days, a breath of life from God entered them, and they stood up on their feet, and great fear fell on those who saw them. Then they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, come up here. And they went up to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies watched them. And at that hour, there was a great earthquake, and a tenth of the city fell. 7,000 people were killed in the earthquake, and the rest were terrified and gave glory to the God of heaven. And this is what is pointed forward to when Moses sings, Terror and dread fall upon them because of the greatness of your arm. They are still as stone. So your people, O Lord, pass by. So the people pass by whom you have purchased. This points us forward to the rapture, which points to the resurrection and the rapture, which will happen when we sing the song to the king of nations and we say, who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name. Which is what we just saw the first angel at the end of the last vision cycle at Christ's return, warn to the earth and say, fear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. And of course, the sea and the springs of water were the means of God's judgment on the whole earth back at the flood out of which he preserved and saved his elect people, which is why Christ says in the Olivet Discourse, talking about the end, for as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark, and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. And in that day, we will sing, who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you for your righteous acts have been revealed. All nations will come and worship the Lamb because God's righteous acts have been revealed in him, in his work at his first coming, and when he completes his salvation at his second coming. So that's the song. But then John's vision continues. He says, After this I looked, and the sanctuary of the tent of witness in heaven was opened. So John's still looking to heaven, and he says, The sanctuary of the tent of witness is opened, and the sanctuary of the tent of witness combines elements of all the places where God's presence dwelt with his physical people, the tent of meeting, the tabernacle, and the temple. The tent of meeting was where Moses would meet with God, if you remember, but it was outside the camp before the tabernacle was made. And we read, Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. And then the tent of meeting became part of the tabernacle when God placed his presence in the middle of the camp of Israel. And the, the terms are even used interchangeably in the Old Testament, tent of meeting and tabernacle, even though the tent of meeting was inside the tabernacle. Read in Exodus 40, in the first day of the first month, you shall erect the tabernacle of the tent of meeting. And the tabernacle and the tent of meeting wind up in the temple that Solomon builds. When the temple's complete, Solomon calls for the ark to be brought up to the temple, and we read this in 1 Kings. Then Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes, the leaders of the fathers' houses of the people of Israel, before King Solomon in Jerusalem, to bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of the city of David, which is Zion, which again is different from the temple mount. And all the men of Israel assembled to King Solomon at the feast in the month 
Ethanim, I don't know what that is, which is the seventh month, and all the elders of Israel came, and the priests took up the ark, and they brought up the ark of the Lord, the tent of meeting, and all the holy vessels that were in the tent, the priests and the Levites brought them up. And if you look at the actual dimensions of the uh, tabernacle and the temple, it would fit quite nicely in there. So here, all these symbols of God's presence are brought together in Revelation 15. And of course, these all point us to Christ. Christ, who is the true presence of God among his people. In fact, the word used here for tent, as in tent of witness, is the verb form of the word which is famously used here. And the word became flesh and dwelt. That's the word tent among us. And we've seen his glory. Glory is the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So we see all of these in the Old Testament where God dwelt, the tent of meeting, the tabernacle, the uh, temple. These all point us to Christ. And if you remember, the tabernacle and the temple were representations of heaven, which was the dwelling place of God, which is also brought together with these here because, John says, after I looked, and the sanctuary of a tent of witness in heaven was opened. This is all talking about the presence of God. And we've seen John describe something similar before, if you remember. Revelation 11, he says, Then God's temple in heaven was opened, and the ark of his covenant was seen within the temple, there were flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, an earthquake, and heavy hail. And this is the final verse of a third vision cycle, which is the seven trumpets. And we saw here that the temple and the Ark of the Covenant both represent Christ. And the opening of heaven and the Ark being seen was Christ's second coming. This is the same thing being described here. After this I looked, and the sanctuary of the tent of witness in heaven was opened. This is Christ coming in judgment. And the judgment is symbolized by those seven angels. Once again, we've seen angels are agents of judgment, and the seven points to the completion of God's judgment. Verse 6, And out of the sanctuary came the seven angels with the seven plagues, clothed in pure, bright linen, with golden sashes around their chests. These angels are clothed in pure, bright linen, and note they also have golden sashes around their chests. Now, we've seen the golden sash before. When Christ begins to speak, back in Revelation 1, John turns around to see who's speaking, and it describes Christ sitting there in the midst of the, lamp, in the lampstands, and he says, And in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. So here, when we see that these angels are clothed in pure bright linen with a golden sash, we are seeing Christ come with his angels in judgment. These seven angels symbolize the whole host of heaven coming. That number seven, complete, is the whole host of heaven coming. What John is seeing here in this chapter is the rapture and resurrection of the saints, their glorification, their coming in judgment with Christ. We'll see this picture in even more detail in Revelation 19, where we're going to see, Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, like the sound of, a mighty, of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. This is the glorified church. And then we're going to read for the third time, Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head there are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped with blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. This is Christ. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, the angels and the church, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. 
Well, this is the same thing being pictured here. It's Christ and his church and his angels all coming in judgment. After this, I looked, and the sanctuary of a tent of witness in heaven was opened, and out of a sanctuary came the seven angels with the seven plagues, clothed in pure, bright linen, with golden sashes around their chests. And we see further that Christ is represented here because the judgment that is about to be meted out is his judgment. John says, And one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. And remember, the four living creatures around the throne represent Christ. Now, he is the one meeting up his judgment ultimately, even though angels are his agents of judgment and we're going to be with him. And this isn't the first time we're seeing golden bowls. We've seen them before. Let's go back to the harp-holding 24 elders, where we see, and when he had taken the scroll, this is the lamb, the four living creatures, which represent Christ, the 24 elders, which is the elect of all time, fall down before the lamb, each holding a harp, and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And we saw later in that same vision cycle, when the fifth seal is opened, when he, the lamb, opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar, it was the altar of incense, the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then they were each given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete who were to be killed as they themselves had been. So those asleep in Christ here are praying for the second coming, for the judgment of the wicked, but as we've seen also because for them it will mean resurrection. And we saw that those prayers reach the throne and the final judgment happens in Revelation 8. When the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about a half an hour. This is, if you remember, Christ, his angels, and the saints leaving heaven and coming to the earth in judgment. And then we see the judgment again represented by an angel a few verses later, where we read, And another angel came and stood at the altar with golden censer, and it was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. And the angel took the censer and filled it with fire from the altar and threw it on the earth. And there were appeals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. And we see those rumblings and lightning and earthquake that tells us it's the same exact event we looked at in the seventh trumpet where the temple of heaven is open and Christ returns. Well, here we're seeing the same thing. And one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. And just like the prayers of the saints who were represented by the elders with the golden bowls of incense, reach God, and he comes to judge. Here we see Christ takes our bowls, gives them to the angels that represent the whole host of heaven, and they are for the judgment that's about to take place. This is the same thing that we're seeing. Then John says, And the sanctuary was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power, and no one could enter the sanctuary until the seven plagues of the seven angels were finished. So this is the sanctuary, that is the tent or the tabernacle or heaven, the presence of God, this is Christ the place of God's presence, and this is opened up for Christ's return. Heaven opens, and here the smoke of the glory of God, and no one being able to enter the sanctuary, are yet another representation of Christ. We saw this when the tabernacle was completed. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle, and Moses was unable to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. We saw the same thing when the temple was completed. And when the priest came out of the holy place, a cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. And we saw that when Christ comes, the true presence of God among his people, as the tabernacle, almost literally, that the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. 
So here, the sanctuary was filled with the smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And no one could enter the sanctuary until the seven plagues of the seven angels were finished. We see Christ, and he's coming in judgment, which are symbolized by the seven plagues. And we're going to start to look at those next, 